With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I said no, mate. I've had no discussion with them, mate. I haven't been speaking to anyone, mate. Well, I've never had a job offer from Japan, mate. There's no offer. So is Japan an option? I don't know, mate. You have to ask Sydney Morning Herald. They seem to know more than me. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Well, Stone the Crows, colour me something. Surprised. Eddie Jones actually has landed in Japan. Figuratively, he will have another stint with the Japanese head coach. Uh, let's cross the ditch, talk a number of topics uh, in Australian sport. West Tigers, what on earth is going on there? Uh, the start of the Test cricket uh, season as well. Out of SEN, it is the one, the only Mr Jimmy Smith. Welcome to the show, Jimmy. How are you keeping? Oh, I'm keeping very well, Daniel. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I'm a little bit worried. Kerry O'Keefe's a bit annoyed with you. You've been talking too much rugby league, killing killing the interest <laughs> in, in, in cricket. Don't, you can't talk rugby league in December. You can't give what the people what they want. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, without Mitchell Johnson's go at David Warner and now Usman's, uh, Usman Khawaja's um, stance for Gaza and Palestine, then there'd be no cricket talked at all and we'd... We'd all be wondering what Adam Fanua Blake is going to do and where he's going to end up with. So um, it's interesting Kerry makes that point, but um, I think it's less a reflection on Australia's love of cricket because that shone through very clearly with the ICC Cricket World Cup and the TV audiences yes. were absolutely massive for that. Like that was a, a rebirth of one day international cricket. Um, it's more of a reflection of just how invested people in certainly New South Wales and Queensland are in the NRL. I think it's also a reflection on that cricket has, uh, to its detriment, in my opinion, um, there's too much of it. it we, we don't miss it. So we, when the start of a new season rolls around, Jimmy, we're like, well, we've just kind of just been watching them a couple of weeks ago. So I, I, I'm not sure how you feel on that front. But, um, you know, the Mitchell Johnson one, talk, talk about opening up a can of worms. Uh, it was music to a lot of New Zealanders' ears, as you would understand. Uh, David Warner, probably, probably not the most popular figure on this side of the Tasman. I tell you what, there's a, um, a coincidental around that. He's not the, not that popular over in England. Um, he's very popular in India, where he's been a superstar for over a decade in the IPL. So very very popular there. You know, the funny thing about David Warner is he's not incredibly popular here in Australia. You know, for for every person that loves David Warner uh, and what he did, and more to the point, how he did it, as in. Not only does he he's got this incredible test record, which uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, most international cricketers are judged on their test record. He's got this incredible record, but his rate of scoring is such that you know we thought Matt Hayden, Matt Hayden, really aggressive opening batsman. David Warner's strike rate is ten better than Matthew Hayden. Hayden at sixty runs per hundred balls, Warner at seventy runs. So he just made it. Yeah, he, he just made it. Um, so so compelling, not just for the viewer, but also for the bloke who's sitting it on their back at the other end going, well, I don't need to score because Davey's firing uh, and it takes all the pressure off them. So from that point of view, you know, he's, he's an astronomical cricketer. And then other people look at that and say, I've never really liked the way David's gone about it. 
Um, they have issues uh, before even Sandpaper Gate and certainly afterwards. Um, and that's why it's become where Mitch Johnson says those things in his um, cricketing column and it, it actually gains a lot of traction with a lot of people in this country. Yeah, he's a, he has been a fascinating uh, cricketer for a long, long time. You so weigh the destructive nature of what he's played, uh, how he's played rather. But, you know, since the turn of this decade, he's been lean. You know, uh, uh, Australian batsman batting over, what, 26 tests, averaging 31 as he has this decade. You would have been gone long before now. Such were the high standards you demanded from your top six. But uh, I guess... He, uh, excuse the pun, had a lot of runs on the board for them. Uh, so I'd expect them to do well against Pakistan for sure, and I'm sure you will as well. Let's get on to other topics because I know you're short of time. Can you explain to me what on earth is going on with the West Tigers? Yeah, I can actually. Um, it's, it's an incredible situation where we've had an ownership group that is a 60% owner of a joint venture. So listeners, get your head around this one. So you know how they say it's a joint venture between the Western Suburbs Magpies and the Balmain Tigers. Well, it is and it isn't, and it sort of started that way, but now it's not. So there's a group called the Holman Barnes Group, which is really West League's club. They own 60% of the West Tigers. Then there's the Western Suburbs Magpies, the old football club. They own 30% of the West Tigers. The Balmain Tigers, they're a 10% equity holder. So throw all that into the mix. Uh, to start with, and then we've got wooden spoon after wooden spoon. Uh, and, and you know, front page and back page of newspapers and radio broadcasts all over the uh, country because of what's transpired over the last couple of years. And then you have a, a review commissioned by the Holman Barnes Group, that 60% owner. The recommendations are, you know, you just got to get rid of yourselves. And then they do, and it comes at the expense of everyone else on the board, uh, added to that, you've got uh, a team massively underperforming, an icon of the club coming in to coach not just the club for the first time, but to coach for the first time. And it's a, a hugely popular club over here. Then It's got every recipe for a daytime soap, Daniel. Incredible. You just, you just feel for the fans, don't you? Because they are some loyal fans. But they, they must be sick of it all. I think there was a sense from the fans, and remember, it was a fan-led petition that led to the review. So 2,000 signatures, uh, and so you better be careful what you wish for, right? They wanted change. They've certainly got change, right? We know, we know they've got change. I think the vast majority of West Tigers fans will say, good, we're moving forward. You, on the other hand, what would you say? I, I think when you've got a situation like that, you need uh, you need to sever something, right? You, there, there needs to be a circuit breaker. Is this the right circuit break? I, I hope so. I, I really do, because they are one of the really popular clubs, not just in yeah. national rugby league, but, but could be a powerhouse in Australian sport because of the, um, the popularity of the team, the geographical footprint that they have and, and everything else combined. Um, and if they get it right, they're, they're a juggernaut. Um, I think this is the step in the right direction. I, I really hope it is. Um, at this point, I'm unconvinced. Luckily, they've got such a vastly experienced head coach who can uh, navigate <laughs> these choppy, choppy seas. Well, no, here's the other thing. So, so Benji Marshall is an out-and-out -out winner, 
right? Everything in his life yeah. that he's done, is, he's been successful at it. And, and from my understanding is he has a highly competitive nature. That's almost obvious, right, given the way that he, he um, played the game and, and was able to play the game for such an extended period. Uh, but he's been asked to do, in his first year of coaching, coach the team. He's doing a lot of stuff around recruitment. He's doing a lot of stuff around talent identification. He's doing everything around retention. And he's got a couple of assistant coaches there in Chris Hyington and Robbie Farrow that don't have a whole heap of experiences at, at all. So John Morris is there and he's got a bit of experience um, as a couple of years as an NRL coach. It's an extremely difficult position that he's been put in. I reckon the best thing that's happened to Benji Marshall of late is the fact that Shane Richardson will go in as the interim CEO and Shane brings the 40 years of experience that Benji and other people on the coaching team don't have. Yeah. We'll be fascinated to see how it goes on the field. As for off it, um, who knows? <laughs> Jimmy, yeah. I'll get you out yeah. on Eddie Jones. We played the montage, the denials, the denials. You know, his word doesn't mean much these days. Well, what's his reputation like in Australia now that it's all confirmed? We, we all expected it yeah. would happen, but how does the average Australian sports fan think of Eddie Jones? Or what does they think of yeah, so th- that's – and I might be different, I reckon, to the average Australian sports fan in that I actually empathise with Eddie now. Um, I, if you think about how Eddie came into the position, and Eddie came into the position on the back of promises and assurances that were made by Hamish McLennan, the Rugby Australian uh, chairman at the time. He's saying, oh, yeah, um, oh, no, we'll get private equity to invest in us like they did the All Blacks, so – We'll have all this money. Oh, we'll do the centralised contract. So, Eddie, you'll be able to put your fingerprint all over what it is that we do at the elite level. Oh, yes, and we'll, we'll also be able to donate, uh, sorry, uh, dedicate some of those funds to grassroots rugby and we'll improve the gap between you know, club rugby and super rugby and, and then the Wallabies. Yes, we're all going to do that. And I would suggest Eddie at that point said, righto, put it all in the contract, please. And it was in the contract. And so... At the halfway point of the year, when all the things that the Rugby Australian chairman and Rugby Australia had promised him didn't come to fruition, Eddie's there going, oh, well, this is falling apart. Now, does that excuse him from going and searching for new employment? Probably not. Um, The selections for the Wallabies in the Rugby World Cup, that's a separate issue. You could have a different debate around that. Um, The constant denials that you just played, they don't pay Eddie in a favourable light. But the fact that you've been promised something, it hasn't been delivered in your contract and you're looking elsewhere for employment, that's very standard. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I also can't help but think if you've played the long-term uh, card, but this is to your point about the selections, kicked veterans to the touch, then had the audacity to question their character uh, like Michael Hooper, like he did, um, yeah. and then walk out at the, at the first opportunity... Um, I, I can see why people are angry on it, but uh, you, you had a whole sort of layer to the context to me that I was uh, uh, unaware of. So um, do you think they'd ever welcome him back? Like, like are all doors closed in Australia for him? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And yeah. I think Eddie makes that decision knowing that that's the case. He's 63 years of age. He's probably thinking, okay, how long have I got left? It, it took him 20 years to do a full circle to come back. I don't see Eddie Jones... Well, actually, <laughs> I was about to say, I don't see Eddie Jones coaching at 83. I, tell, I don't know whatever <laughs> he's doing at 83. He, he'll do it with intent and intensity, won't he? 
Hey, well, I can't help but think this. I, I don't know why Japan are doing it. I wouldn't want him running my team, but I'm glad he's still in the sport because he, he's entertaining. He makes me smile. Uh, Jimmy, thanks so much. I know you've got to get off, mate. It's nearly quarter past, so thanks for your time. Go well, sir. Oh, I really appreciate it, Dan. Good on you, mate. Have a good one.